The following podcast is a Dear Media production. You may have seen on Instagram that I am back to my workout grind with Harley. And I have to be honest, in the past, after my workout, my reward was a smoothie. Now, there is nothing wrong with smoothies, and I still drink them occasionally. But since I have been focusing way more on getting a lot of protein in, I have had to kind of make some adjustments when it comes to my diet in that way. So Harley stays stocked with really good snacks that are always really high in protein. And he has a whole thing of chomps. Chomps have become my go-to favorite snack because they give you the protein that your body needs. So they have over nine grams of protein per stick without any unhealthy additives and zero sugar. They are low carb, keto friendly, allergy friendly. They don't contain any fillers. They are simply made with natural ingredients that you can feel good about. So they are really tasty meat sticks packed with mouthwatering flavor and only the best real ingredients. They source from farmers who raise animals humanely and farm responsibly. So we are looking out for the environment and our animal friends. Chomps sticks come in nine flavors, so there is something for everyone. Or you can grab a variety pack to satisfy your whole family's taste buds. They're great on their own. Or you can pair them with everything from fruit to hummus to crackers and more. I like them with hummus as well. But usually I just go straight for that turkey stick right after my workout. And it's so good. I feel satiated and I don't get that kind of sugar spike and crash that I get when I have a smoothie instead. So right now, Chomps is offering my listeners 20% off your first order and free shipping when you go to chomps.com slash blonde. Again, go to chomps.com slash blonde for 20% off your first order and free shipping. That's C-H-O-M-P-S dot com slash blonde. Don't forget to use my link so they know that I sent you. Welcome to the Blonde Files podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Laurie, and I'm here to talk all things wellness. From how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and everything in between, no topic is off limits. I know there's so much information out there, so I'm bringing on expert guests and sharing my own experiences to help you sift through all the wellness stuff without the BS. Enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today's episode is so powerful and I am just so grateful to my guest Allie Webb for being so candid and honest about the highs and lows of her life. So if you're unfamiliar with her name, you definitely know one of her businesses. She is the founder of Dry Bar, which she sold for hundreds of millions of dollars while her world was simultaneously falling apart. So she was going through a divorce. She sent her son to rehab for a year during what was supposed to be like this pinnacle of her life. So this episode is a lot about kind of the juxtaposition of those things all happening at once and how she got through that time. So we also talk a lot about marriage and divorce. We talk about finding yourself again after a breakup, loving someone with addiction. We talk just weathering the storms of life that we all face in different ways. And I think if you could sum this episode up, it would be 
kind of about the duality of life, like the beauty and the pain, the triumphs and the challenges. And I just think it's so refreshing to hear from somebody who from the outside, you would think her life was perfect and she had no difficulties, but it's a reminder that everybody is fighting a battle that we don't know about. So Allie has a new book out, which I read in a day. You will love it. It's called The Messy Truth, How I Sold My Business for Millions But Almost Lost Myself. So go check that out. It is really honest. It's insightful and helpful, whether you are an entrepreneur or you're just going through something difficult as we all do and want some encouragement. She is kind of a serial entrepreneur. She has other successful businesses now. We talk about that as well in the episode. And I just found her to be so real and so authentic and so inspiring. So please enjoy Allie Webb. Welcome, Allie. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. Really excited to talk to you. I think obviously the first thing that a lot of people think of when they hear your name and they're familiar with your business, right? Dry Bar, that was yeah. like the big one. Now, of course, you have other businesses, yeah. but you just came out with a book and I was listening to you on other interviews preparing for this. And there were so many other things that you've gone through in your life that I could relate to Yeah, that I think a lot of people listening will be able to relate to. So I'm really excited to deep dive into all of that. But to start, let's start at the trajectory, you know, your early life to Dry Bar. Yeah. Well, I mean, depending on how far back you want to go, you know, I was like, you know, which I talk about so much in, in the book laying out like how I got here, which was, you know, I was a curly hair girl growing up in South Florida and really kind of lost after high school and didn't know what I wanted to do with my life and moved to New York City, and basically lived in New York all of my 20s. And in that time, went to beauty school and totally fell in love with the hair industry. And you know, it was always a theme for me as a kid. You know, I used to like beg my mom to blow out my hair. And, you know, I was so kind of enamored and I, and, and puzzled like how, I mean, when I was growing up, it was like Cindy Crawford and like Christy Brinkley, mm-hmm. you know, and like, those were like the models. And I remember looking at their hair and being like, how do they get their hair to look like that? And why doesn't my hair look like that? <laughs> and how do I do that? You know, it was just always this thing that I was kind of intrigued by. And, you know, it would, it would, you know, carry into my adulthood. And, as I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life when all my friends kind of seemed to know what they wanted to do and people were going to college and had majors. And I was like, what do they know? You know? And so I fumbled around for a long time trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I, I worked in fashion and I worked in PR and, you know, and then when I finally started doing hair, I really fell in love with it. And, you know, fast forward to years later when I met my first husband, Cam, and we had our two boys who are now 16 and 18, which is pretty mind blowing. Um, it feels like, you know, just yesterday they were babies and, you know, we, and then we started Dry Bar a year after we had our second son. And so, you know, it was just like a crazy whirlwind from there. And, you know, I really wanted babies so badly. So I was, I got married young, had babies young and I mean, young-ish, I was 30 and when I had my first son and, and then Dry Bar came along and that came from being a stay-at-home mom and being like with my boys all the time and just kept getting the itch to do something for myself. And that's really what led me to start my mobile business, which was a way to get out of the house for a couple hours and talk to adults and <laughs> make some cash, which I'm pretty sure I didn't actually make any profit during that time because between gas and running around LA, you know, it was kind of a crazy time, but it would ultimately lead to dry bar, you know, which obviously was such a, you know, unexpected life twist. And then, you know, my life completely changed Mm -hmm. once we opened those doors. 
I'm curious, when you started Drybar, did you go into it having your business plan and imagining the scale that it reached? Or did you just feel like there was a need that either you couldn't find or that other people needed and couldn't find? Because I've had so many, you know, really successful entrepreneurs, business owners on the show and the majority of them go into it just because there's something that they can't find out there. Yeah. I mean, I think that most big, great businesses are born out of personal necessity. Mm. I mean, if not all. I mean, we, the reason that, you know, it's such a beautiful thing, like our imaginations and like our desires for something that doesn't exist or something that exists is just not great. You know, I mean, that's kind of the premise of what, how we've built all our businesses. And no, there was not a grand plan. There was like, Let's just hope this thing fucking works, you know? And, you know, we, my brother had a lot of money into it. We put our life savings into it, which wasn't really much at the time, but, you know, it was like, it was really like this thing that we were not sure how it was going to go. And there was no plan for like world domination. And, you know, that was like, came after we Mm -hmm. opened the doors and we were like, oh my God, we're onto something. Holy shit. What now? You know, it was kind of a crazy time, but yeah, no, we, you know, we didn't go into it with that. It was, it really was personal necessity. And, you know, I think I learned so much from my mobile business because it was only, th- it was only $40. I was charging people $40 to go to their home, which, you know, it's especially in LA or mm-hmm. New York or any major city, like there's no way someone's coming to your house for that amount of money. Yeah. But to me, I was like, it was so much less about making money as it was about like connecting with adults and like doing something for myself, which is such an important life lesson, I think. And, and something that I, you know, hold pretty dear and try to talk about a lot. It's like, don't follow the money, mm. follow the, like the, the desire, the passion, the like, what, it, what do I want to do? I didn't care about the money, you know, and I care about money. Like I like nice things mm-hmm. and I, you know, like, and I want to make money, of course, but like, that was just not the leading cause of like me wanting to go and start this mobile business. And had I not charged only $40, it probably would not have only charged $35 to start Drybar, which also was unheard of. I mean, people were like, $35, I'll do this all day long, which is exactly what we had hoped would happen, you know? Mm. And and of course, like some some people, it was like more of a luxury that they would do like maybe once a month or for a special occasion. But as you, as you, you live in LA and you know, we have, you know, pretty like affluent culture and community here. I mean, there are women who are coming in three times a week. They just mm-hmm. did not. I mean, I can't tell you the amount of women who told me they don't wash their own hair anymore, <laughs> which was like, music to my ears. Yeah. <laughs> we got a laugh over there. <laughs> but I mean, truly, I mean, you know, because it, it, the the price point, the experience, the whole thing, it was wild. Yeah. I never would have imagined that. I also didn't imagine women who had straight, naturally straight hair would come to dry bar because, you know, I have naturally curly frizzy hair. And so for me, I think that's what I thought it was going to be women like me, but it was like, oh, women who have really straight, fine hair want the body and volume and curls. So it was like, you know, our it was, we used to joke, it's like, oh, women with hair mm-hmm. is our demo, you know, which is a pretty big demo. Half the population. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's so smart. I see a lot of, you know, like other digital creators who have businesses and, um, you know, they'll come out with guides or courses or whatever, and they price them so high. Yeah, it's crazy. And I'm like, that's alienating probably the majority yeah. of your audience. Yeah. And then, you know, conversely, I see some people who price it really low. And it just seems like that's the way to like scale yeah. is to make it accessible. And that well, was kind of like kind the of key. Proving the concept, you know, yeah. I'm with you on that. You know, I think I even like we started recently this mastermind program called The Blueprint, which I'm doing with Jacqueline Johnson, who you probably mm-hmm. know, and Marina Middleton. And it's an entrepreneurial 
program for women or really, I, I don't, we haven't had any men yet, but we just started it and kicked it off. And, you know, I think our pricing is pretty low in comparison to masterminds, but we're in the process of like proving this out and, you know, making sure that people really feel they're getting a lot of value. And, you know, and I'm always in that camp mm. versus like, mm-hmm. I probably could charge three times what I'm charging, right? but let's like earn the trust. Let's, you know, work out the kinks and all the things. So yeah, I'm, much more in that camp. And that was, was how, you know, and even like with Squeeze, our newer, one of our newer concepts, mm-hmm. it's like we're we're in that very affordable price point, but a really high-end great experience. And that's kind of the magic, I think, of what we do really well is like create this like very high-end feel, but make it affordable for everybody. With the holidays upon us, which usually mean holiday parties, holiday eating, maybe some travel, it can be pretty hard to stick to our wellness routines. I am traveling right now. And when these times are upon us, I just make sure that I have my foundational wellness habits in place that I know are going to make me feel really good no matter what. And then I can go out and enjoy this season. And one of those foundational habits you guys probably know already is AG1. I've been drinking AG1 for years. I initially started taking it because of some gut issues. This is how AG1 came to fruition in the first place. It was actually because the founder had gut issues and was on so many supplements and nothing was working. So he sought out to make this kind of all in one. And After many iterations, AG1 is this foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, but also stress management, immune support. And since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining this formula to create a smarter, better way to basically elevate your baseline health. So I love their travel packs. They're so convenient. Basically, it eliminates the need to pack a ton of different supplements. And during a time like Thanksgiving, when I know myself, I am going to be eating turkey, gravy, mashed potatoes, stuffing. There is not going to be one green, particularly nutritious thing that enters my body. So at least I know when I'm starting my day with AG1, I am kind of covering my bases and giving my body what it needs. I like to just mix it with water first thing in the morning. It's something that I really crave. It's kind of this semi-sweet pineapple vanilla type flavor. And I just get this kind of zip of like energy and clarity and it has everything I need. It has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for that much needed gut support, especially around holidays. It has magnesium, B vitamins for energy, support adaptogens to balance my body's stress levels, vitamin C and zinc to help support immune health. So AG1 is really the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why they have been a partner for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash blondefiles. That's drinkag1.com slash blondefiles. Check it out. 
Hi, friends. I'm Cameron Rogers, host of Freckles Beauty and Friends podcast, which is now on Dear Media. Are you wondering what just happened to your life after having a baby or struggling with your mental health during postpartum? That was me just a few months ago. Are you working on healing your relationship with yourself, your body, and or food? Same. We are all on a journey to self-love and acceptance, and I am right there with you. That's what Freckled Foodie and Friends is all about, reminding you that no matter what, you are not alone. Make sure to tune in for season five, launching with Dear Media on November 9th, and subscribe to listen to new episodes every Wednesday morning. I have been working on perfecting the soft, kind of effortless, loose wave look, sometimes that 90s blowout kind of vibe. And I talked about this before. I tried using hot rollers. That was very short-lived for me because I found it to be extremely time-consuming and difficult. But I have this amazing hack. So I have been using the new Curl Secret by Conair, and it's basically my favorite styling tool for effortless curls. It has replaced my need to blow out, then straighten, and then use a curler. So I also feel like I'm helping my hair by not using so much harsh heat on it. So the Curl Secret has three preset curl types, so you can do it depending on how tight or how loose you want it. It also has five temperature options, and I actually get a really good hold at the lower temperatures, which is not usually the case for me. And then it also has three curl directions. So this is incredibly helpful because sometimes when you are doing it yourself manually or with rollers or you're using a curling iron, you get that all one direction look and it just looks really unnatural. So you can alternate directions. It's really effortless. It also has a ceramic barrel to protect your hair. And if you're thinking that you would mess it up and your hair would get completely tangled. They have anti-tangle technology that keeps hair smooth and protected while styling. So with all your holiday parties coming up, all your travel, you want to have perfect hair, but you don't want to spring for a blowout. You don't want to be using hot tools and just getting that really kind of contrived look, which is what happens to me. Definitely check out the new Curl Secret by Conair. You can shop the Curl Secret by Conair now available at all major retailers. So as Drybar was growing, you were in business with your husband, right? And now ex. <laughs> now ex-husband, yes. yes. And I like it when she simultaneously, laughs. I know. She's very, <laughs> <laughs> Ashley's very engaged. This like, is a okay, good there's, sign. The, there's the audience. <laughs> <laughs> simultaneously, as Dry Bar was growing and you were getting ready to sell, you were also about to get divorced, right? Yeah. Like these two things happened yes. at once. And, and my son was going, was about to go into rehab. It was a really good time. Wow. Yeah. So can you tell us? <laughs> it's like, I just could imagine, you know, really high highs and really low 100%, lows and just the yes. like inner turmoil that that would create. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was a hundred percent the hardest and worst time of my life. I mean, mm -hmm. it was like the dark night of the soul, as they say, it really was. And it's like, you don't, you can't imagine. It's funny even saying it now, because I'm so, it's so far in the past now mm -hmm. and we're so blessed and on the other side and so grateful. Um, but so many, yeah, it was like, and what's funny, it's, it's even funny being back here at Dear Media because I had a podcast here for a while with my brother and I'll never forget. And I haven't thought, I don't think I've even told this story publicly, but it being here in this building reminds me of it because when my son was spiraling, Cam and I had gotten separated and my role in dry bar was changing and my life was like 
seemingly falling apart in every conceivable way. And my son was really struggling and I didn't really know what to do about it. And, you know, to make the decision to send your kid to rehab is a really fucking hard decision. Mm -hmm. You just like, you know, because there's a lot of like self, like, I mean, there's every emotion you can imagine, but the biggest one is like, I don't, I don't want to physically send my child away because I don't want, I don't want to send my child away. I want to be with Mm -hmm. my kid, you know? And I came into Dear Media to do a podcast episode with a woman who, she was on for something else, but she happened. I mean, this was like such a grace moment. She had a brother who, when he was like around my son's age, had gotten really into drugs. And her, and she was telling me this story, not on the air, but she was telling me this story about how her parents didn't really do anything about it. And he would go on to like get into bigger and better drugs and he eventually mm-hmm. died from an overdose. Mm-hmm. And I almost like, my heart stopped when she told me this story. And I was like, there is a reason you know, that I was supposed to hear this story today. And like, I went home that day and like figured it out and got my son into rehab, Mm -hmm. you know? And it was just like one of those moments where it was like, I have to, I knew I had to take a stand and like really do something. But yeah, it was, it was, it was an incredible like juxtaposition of like dry bars, like on fire and so successful. And everywhere I go, women are like raving about dry (laughs) bar. And it's like, it's just such a massive success. Mm-hmm. And it was so awesome, you know? And on the flip side, my life is falling apart. I'm spiraling into a depression. My son is is so sad and depressed and we have to put him in a rehab. It was like the craziest, you know, confluence of, of events, like mm-hmm. the craziest. Is that the right word? I think so, yes. Yeah, thanks. I was thinking, I actually love that word. Yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Great choice. <laughs> no, just help. Um, so, you know, it was, you know, and and I think that that was like my first real lesson in like not allowing the high highs to affect you and not mm. allowing the low lows, like really trying to stay in this like centered middle ground. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of why like the subtitle of my book is like, you know, how I sold my business for millions and almost lost myself because we were in this like high, high of, you know, dry bar being at, at the, the forefront and so much happening and so much growth and excitement and energy around it. And then in the, in the background, I'm, my life was falling apart, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, such is life. And I think, yeah. I think the part of even the reason that I wanted to write this book is because I think we all deal with that in some cases, like we can be riding high in one area of our life. And then another area of our life is like, you know, spiraling out of control. And how mm-hmm. do you, you deal with it. You just, you deal with it. And you just, as Brene Brown says, like the only way through is through and <laughs> you just keep going and you just try to figure it out. And, and at the time it felt like a, like a tsunami of shit. And then it was like, and now looking back, I'm like, well, you just one day you wake up every single day and do the best you can. And yeah, that's all you can do. I read a quote recently that said, the solution for the pain is the pain. Yeah. Like you have to feel it. Yeah. And I mean, I there's, it's so annoying, but yeah. it's so true. There's so much there that I can relate to. I don't know if you know, I'm almost 10 years sober. So I was I in rehab five times. Congratulations. Um, That's starting so when I was 20. Yeah. I want to talk to you about that because I do have so many listeners who are either struggling themselves, reevaluating their relationship with alcohol or whatever it is. Or it seems like almost everybody has somebody in their life who is struggling. And people always ask me, like, what's your best advice? And I don't know because I haven't been on that side. But I know from my parents, for 10 years, I was killing myself. Yeah. And how old were you when you went into rehab? My first time was 20. And then I got sober at 28. Mm. And it was just progressive 
you know, yeah. every time I would get Eight out. Eight years from when you first went in. Wow. Yes. And yeah. a couple of years before I initially went into rehab, it was bad. Like from the second I started drinking, you know, we have a saying that's like, first it's fun, then it's fun with problems, then it's problems. Yeah. Mine was fun with problems and then just problems. Like there was yeah. never any yeah. time where I didn't have any consequences. How old were you when you started drinking? I, or my drugs? first drink was around 16 or 17. Oh, man. Not and that. it was like, I found the solution to life. It was a spiritual experience. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I didn't even realize that I was like so uncomfortable until that alcohol hit my system it was, it was and like my medi- shoulders went down. It was like self-medicating. That oh. was a term I learned in rehab. You know, it was yeah. like, I was like, my son, when he was like 13, started mm-hmm. smoking pot and, mm-hmm. and and they couldn't understand why. And it was like, he, he was doing it to like feel okay. Like exactly yeah. what you said. Like yes. he was dealing with a lot of stuff. And when he smoked pot, it like all like went away. Yeah. And so as if, you know, 13 year old or as a 16 year old, mm-hmm. you're like, great. Yeah. I'll, I'll take it. Like, <laughs> yes. thanks. Yeah. You know, I mean, I get it, you know? Yeah. And so that makes, yeah. Wow. It's fascinating. Yeah. I, I love, I mean, it's funny on this side of my life, like how much like that, this conversation, I know we're, we should talk about my book and business, but like how much this conversation is like really what matters to me. And by the way, I'm yeah. surrounded by it. My ex-husband is been sober for a while. Mm. My son, my son, I'm, and now my son's in college and mm-hmm. we're navigating some new roads there. Mm-hmm. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, and my soon to be second ex-husband is also in, has been in recovery for many years. And mm. I mean, it's, a, and, you know what I say, it's around me, but it's like, it's like, I'm not surprised that you said that too. It's like, it's, you're kind of hard pressed to not more people than not are yes. in some kind of recovery. And, and while I never went to, I never had like a drinking or drug problem. I've had my share of addictions, mm-hmm. you know, and I always say I've been to many AA meetings because of people I've been, you know, linked to. And they're such magical rooms. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why isn't there AA for not alcoholics? That's what my parents say. Like my friends that have come before that don't have, you know, yeah. drug or alcohol problems beautiful yes. room. Yes. I, I mean, I, I, and when I've been, I have, I feel like it's a deep honor to sit in the, in mm-hmm. those rooms when, if you ever can, I mean, to sit and hear those people's stories and the honesty and the vulnerability. I'm like, I could just stay here all day. I mean, yeah. it's so heartfelt and you're crying half the time, but yeah. it's like, shit. Yeah. But I think there's such a stigma still around recovery that, you know, it's depressing and it's the church basement and, that the drugs and the alcohol are the problem. And I probably sound like a broken record because I have had a lot of conversations about this on my show. But, you know, I think the most important things to understand if anybody is struggling or knows somebody who's struggling is that kind of to your point earlier, the drugs and the alcohol are a symptom. You know, I was using them to self-regulate because at 16, I didn't have the tools to self-regulate and I was feeling a lot of big things and I didn't know what else to do you know, once the drugs and the alcohol were removed, I had a lot of shit that I had to deal Deal with. with. But in recovery, you know, you're given the tools to live. It's not, it's not about how to not drink necessarily or do drugs. It's about how to live in a really fulfilling way. So if anybody is listening and they're like, just feeling averse to the whole thing, like it's really worth exploring. (laughs) It really is. And you're right. I don't, you know, I I know firsthand from all the people in my life that it's like, it's not about not drinking. It's about like, it's a real like lifestyle, Mm -hmm. you know, it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. 
You went to onsite, right? When I you did. were going through. I'm on the board of onsite. Are you? Because I was like, I mean, Miles is a dear friend, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure. No. You, uh, he's, yeah, who runs it. And Brene Brown was the one who told me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, it's a magical, wonderful mm-hmm. place. So that's like an intensive kind yes. of therapeutic setting, yep. right? Yeah. And you don't have to be a, a drug addict or an alcoholic to go. No, no, <laughs> totally. No, I mean, I wasn't. I mm-hmm. just was like, you know, it's funny too, because when you're at onsite, you meet people who've been through everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was there, there was this sweet man who had lost his his son and his parents in a car accident. And like, just, you know, and I think that's part of the program design is that you're with people who've gone through, you know, some really hard things or a lot of like incest mm. situations. There was a lot of abuse. You know, I happened to, you know, I was there going through a divorce, which honestly felt like I which is, again, this is like part of my own work is like, I was like, oh, I'm not even like qualified to be here because mm. what it, some of the shit that these people have been through is really hard, like childhood trauma, you know? And what's funny is when I went to Unsight, I didn't, I, I think I, I skipped a lot of the work that I probably should have been doing too because I was, and it's a long story, but it was, yeah, it was, it, you are, you're off the grid for seven days and you take your phone. It, it's amazing. And you're, you know, no TV, no mm-hmm. outside world. And it's, you know, and it's a little jarring when you go in, but then you come out, you're like, I don't want my phone back. Yeah. I don't want to go back. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Yeah, it really is. And you just, you do some deep work, yeah. you know, and it's, it's a really beautiful experience and you're, and you get so close with other people and, and and again, by design, you're you're hearing other people's stories, and it really gives you perspective on your own. It certainly did me, mm-hmm. you know. And I will take what I got from there with me forever, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny too. Like I think about the times that I went to rehab, and I was so resistant to go to rehab. I didn't want to. And then when I was done, I didn't want to leave. And when yeah. I look back on it, those were some of the best memories that I have because I mean, it, it's such a luxury to yeah be removed from your life for 30, 60, 90 days, seven days, whatever it is, have no connection to the outside world really, except for like the phone time, no cell phones, no TV, no nothing. And just have this opportunity to work on yourself. And it's hard, but it's so rewarding as well. So what were like, what were some of the biggest things that you learned, not necessarily just from onsite, but during that time in your life? Because, you know, I heard you talk about like how you were alone for a year And you said something that really resonated with me, which was that when you're married, whether it's a good relationship or not, somebody is holding space for you. And suddenly they're not, they're not. And I'm also going through a transition in my life. Leave it at that. And I can relate so much to the high highs because things are really good in some ways and then things falling apart in other ways. And it's really confusing. And I feel like, well, I should feel like grateful because I have this, but then I feel like have days where it's just like, so it's just, I can't even function, you know? Yeah, I know what that's like. And when you said that about the holding space, I was like, yes. Yeah. It's like just suddenly this like emptiness. Yeah. So what were some, some of the things that you took with you from that experience that really like helped you to get through that? Yeah, I mean, I think it was like first and foremost, recognizing that. And I'm sure other people said that to me, you know, when I was going through my divorce and I had been married 16 years and everybody, I remember everyone being like, I'm so sorry. And I was like, why? why? I'm so glad to be, you know, that I'm like on to the next mm-hmm. exciting chapter, <laughs> you know, like an idiot. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but, you know, I realized it was a bit of a death, you know, and then when some, when 
this really amazing man and author of a book called Energy Speaks, which I can't remember his name, but the book is called Energy Speaks. And he was like, you know, I had a five minute conversation with him and he was like, you know, you're, whether you were in love with him or not, your ex-husband was holding space for you. Mm. And now there is this giant hole and, you know, figuring that out. And and for me, I think it's like, I think awareness in like, what there's a, there's a phrase that's like, once you can name it, you can tame it, Mm. you know? And I think that for me, it was like understanding that piece of it was important. But then as far as like getting through it, you know, it's like, it is, it is like recognizing that you're in a rebuild of your life and, you know, figuring out like for me how to like navigate my new life and try to find new footing and new routines and new habits and things that don't involve him anymore. And, you know, and when you ask like, what are some of the things, you know, is like, you know, I I did have to like find a new routine and find tools, you know, like, Mm. you know, it was like morning meditation. And it was like, I, you know, started walking a lot and I started listening to a lot of books and I started like nurturing myself in a way that I hadn't Mm -hmm. in in the past because I was like on this rocket ship with dry bar and my kids and whatever. And now all of a sudden there was like all this empty space. I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do with all this space now? Mm-hmm. But it was like, it was a beautiful gift, you know, mm-hmm. brutal, but beautiful mm-hmm. gift of, oh, you've got to go find yourself now. And you've got to go find out like what you like, you know, even, even in this last season of my life, I've been back in that space. And <laughs> my best friend is like, she's like, you got to go watch the movie with Julia Roberts. Eat, pray, love. No, no, oh. no, that one too. I did watch that one recently, but no, the one Runaway Bride. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because for me, I've gone from relationship to relationship mm. and like in this space of like, there's, you know, famously, she doesn't know how she likes her eggs because mm-hmm. she has her eggs. However, whoever she's with has yes. her eggs. And I think that is such a good metaphor for, yeah. oh, I've got to go find myself and figure out what what I like. What the, what the fuck do I like on this side? You know, I yeah. don't know. Because, you know, I've always like, you know, not, not that even that's a bad thing. It's like when you're in a relationship or partnership, you start to like, it's a dance and you're Mm -hmm. doing things for them and you're, and it's a compromise. And then when all of a sudden there's all this blank space, now what? And, and for me, it was like discovery and, and trying to embrace the discovery, like, you know, finding new things that you like, like I just started taking singing lessons because I've always wanted to sing. And Uh actually I, I work and I'm like, I'm like, if there's anybody you want in any kind of like sector of like therapy, like I go to a somatic therapy. (laughs) I was like working with like a heartbreak coach. I had a regular coach. I have a therapist. Like I have, I, you know, an acupuncturist. I have a Reiki (laughs) healer. I mean, I have all the things. I'm going to, I'm going to hit you up for some of those uh, after. (laughs) But this this somatic therapist that I work Mm. with who on the newer side, I mean, this guy like looked into my fucking soul and I was like, Oh my God. And was able to like sum up some things for me that I was like, I almost fell off my chair that I was like, I cannot believe I never saw it that way. Whoa. And I was so blown away. But, you know, he, and he was the one who said to me, like, because, you know, breath work has become a big thing. I don't actually Mm -hmm. really enjoy doing breath work, Mm -hmm. which is, he's like, that's probably why you should do it. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) we got her again. Um, (laughs) But, you know, but he was like, and he said to me, he's like, you should consider taking singing lessons. And I was like, what? Because for me, like if there is anything in my life that I could have ever done besides what I've done, it would have been to be, been a singer. Wow. I love singing so much, but I was like, I just don't have the voice. Mm-hmm. I wasn't born with like, you know, a voice like Lady Gaga. So I was like, mm-hmm. well, no, no point in trying that. 
But what's, what's interesting is like how much I enjoy being on stage and how much I enjoy being in front of crowds and on TV, which I get to do through this other medium. But he was like, no, you got to sing because when you sing, it releases so much breath. And that is, that's a great way for you to release a lot of like energy and emotion, which I was like, I'm going to take singing <laughs> lessons right away then, you know? And he actually set me up with somebody and, and I just, you know, was always told myself I don't have a good voice. And actually mm-hmm. through my, I'm working with this amazing vocal coach. And, you know, I think there might be something there, mm-hmm. you know? And he, but he, and he had no idea that like, that is like my, my actual dream in life <laughs> is to be a singer. So it was such a funny thing, but you know, there's been lots of things like this that I've discovered about myself, you know, in the, like, you know, this, like, what feels like this downward spiral that I was mm-hmm. in, that I was like, shit, I would never have discovered this had my life not gotten me to this point, which felt like face down and really sad and mm-hmm. all that. But, you know, I, discovering things about myself that I love has been such a gift, mm-hmm. you know? If you guys listened to my solo episode a few weeks ago, then you heard me talk about hair health. And it's something that I've been getting asked about a lot lately, partly, I think, because my hair is very long and full disclosure, I do have some extensions in the back for length, but it's also the healthiest it has ever been, which I attribute to a few things. But I really think that taking care of my scalp made such a huge difference. It was kind of this missing piece in my hair care routine for so long. So I started using Vegamore and I just feel like my hair is so much more visibly thicker, fuller, shinier, and longer. And one of the great things about Vegamore is that it does all of this without any of the harsh ingredients that are in so many other products. Sometimes when you find clean hair products, you're sacrificing effectiveness and result. I would find with other products, my hair would be kind of limp and heavy. Not so with Vegamore. It is amazing. So I love the grow hair serum. I really feel like this is what so many people miss when it comes to taking care of their hair. So the serum has really helped my scalp just be less dry. I used to get some redness around my scalp and some flakiness, to be totally honest. That is not so anymore. And I feel like my hair is just coming in so much healthier and thicker. You can also get value kits like the Grow Essentials Kit. So you get to try more than one amazing product at great savings. When you sign up for a monthly subscription, you can save more and you never run low on the products that you need to take care of your hair. So it's super convenient. And for a limited time, you can go to vegamore.com slash blonde and you can use the code blonde at checkout to get in on Vegamore's biggest sales of the year during their Black Friday and Cyber Monday. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash blonde. And the code is blonde to get the best deals on Vegamore's line of products. Again, vegamore.com slash blonde, code blonde. As much as I absolutely love being a content creator and podcaster, there is one downside for me, and that is the unpredictability and the uncertainty when it comes to revenue. So 
We are at the mercy, basically, of algorithms, algorithm updates, product changes, the economy, because brands don't always have the marketing budgets when people aren't buying their products. So if you are a creator, then you definitely know what I'm talking about with the anxiety around all of that. And a way to create a really secure present and future is by earning a living directly from your audience. It's the most sustainable way for creators to build a business, maintain a business, and not have that uncertainty. So you don't need a huge following to do this. Kajabi is amazing for this because it is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. So they basically provide a one-stop shop to turn your skills, your passions, your experiences into enriching online courses. They have exclusive membership sites, thriving communities, personalized coaching, subscription podcasts, and more. And all of this is underpinned by robust analytics, marketing tools, third-party integrations, and easy payment options. So The best thing about this, in my opinion, is that creators and entrepreneurs value full ownership and control over their brand. And when you are solely making your money through Instagram or a podcast, you are not necessarily in control of that. So with Kajabi, you have 100% autonomy with free customizable templates that you make your own, even if you're not tech savvy and you keep what you earn. So you don't need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. So try Kajabi and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have earned over $6 billion. Yes billion with a B. Right now, Kajabi is offering a 30-day free trial to start your own business if you go to kajabi.com slash blonde. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash blonde. Go to kajabi.com slash blonde to earn more doing what you love. I can look at my own life and see how some things that I thought were the absolute worst things that could ever happen to me that I could go through turned out to be the biggest gifts the biggest example being my sobriety. You know, I thought getting sober and my addiction was the worst thing that would ever happen to me. I thought my life would be over at 28 when I got sober and, you know, it was the best thing. But it's so hard to have that perspective when you're in it. it. So it's like you can hear us talk about it, you know, and you can know it rationally. Yeah. But it's so hard. But I, you know, I think it's refreshing to kind of hear that like, you know, you had to struggle through too. Well, you should be. And there should be like, I understand why you just said that, but like there is like, that is what I think kind of needs to change in society. It's like, there is this like, listen, it's not, we don't fucking live in rainbows and sunshine. Just Mm -hmm. none of us do. Like there's hardships everywhere. I mean, obviously the world is so at odds right now in so many ways. And it just has been for so long. And it all, you know, before we were born and after we were gone, you know, and and, you know, to to try to achieve this goal of like bliss and happiness all the time, it's just not realistic. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, and this is very cheesy, but like without the dark, there can't be light, you know, mm-hmm. or without, you know, like you need yeah. both. There is a duality in life, I believe now on, on the other side of like, where I may have once thought that like the goal and, you know, the the, the destination was happiness and success, you know, and and sure, that is part of it, but mm-hmm. there, you know, you then, you you know, you, 
I also heard Brene Brown talking about this on a podcast interview where she was like, you get that tap on your shoulder, usually like probably older than you are, you know, but like at the midpoint of your life or the universe is like, you can't run anymore. Mm -hmm. You can't hide. Mm -hmm. You know, your shit's coming up now and you're going to have to deal with it, which is probably why most, why so many people, not most, but so many people get divorced in their, you know, mid to late forties. Cause you're like, you just hit a wall where you're like, I, I can't live this life anymore mm-hmm. in my life. And you get, you know, for me too, it's like you get to this point where you're like, I don't, I don't have unlimited time here. Like, what am I going to do with this time? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, not living in an unrealistic expectation of like, oh, my life always has to be amazing. You're going to have really shitty days. Mm-hmm. And then, then you're going to have really beautiful, amazing days. You know, it's, it's a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can relate to that. I mean, I, I am still in my 30s, obviously, but I do feel like I'm kind of at that point right now where, you know, it's like that saying, it whispers until it screams. Body whispers till it screams or your mind whispers until it screams. And you can only, I just did an episode on this, you know, Jen Gottlieb. Yeah. We were talking about this and she was like, you know, she was living out of alignment and not living her authentic life anymore. And she was trying to stuff it down, stuff it down, stuff it down any way that she could, you know, and all done that. Yeah. And like you were saying before, there's so many other addictions and things that we can use to try to self-soothe and numb out that um, aren't drugs or alcohol. And you can only do that for so long. You're right. Um, It is a whisper. I love that. It is mm -hmm. a whisper until it's a scream. And that is, and you just, you just like, you cannot take it anymore. You know, I think we all get to that point. It's like, so funny how we stuff it down. Mm-hmm. And I did it for 16 years. Like mm-hmm. I knew very early on in my marriage, mm-hmm. this was not the right thing, but I was like, nope, I made this commitment, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, so many great things came out of that marriage and I have no regrets, but mm-hmm. man, did I stuff it down for so mm-hmm. many years. So interesting. I hear a lot of people say that a lot of, you know, friends and people that I know who have gone through divorces were like, I kind of knew. Yeah. <laughs> And why do we do that? It's like yeah. self-betrayal. You yes. know, why do we do that? It is. And it's like, yeah. a lot, you know, and again, it's part of probably why I love these kinds of conversations because it's like for people to feel like, don't let your life, like, let that be the message. Like, don't let your life pass you by. Like, mm-hmm. it's short. You don't know when your mm-hmm. number's up, you know? It's like, yes. go do the thing. Yeah. You know, which, you know, goes back to business too. It's like, are yeah. you in a fucking job that you dread go, going to? I mean, that's always like, I think really for me, that was always my barometer of like, and and I'm sure you can relate to this. It's like, do you know the book, The Body Keeps the Score? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, if you really check in with your body, your mind, your whatever anxiety level, it it will tell you everything you need to know. And and for me, it's like, you know, when we're talking a lot about emotions and feelings, but it does, it is business and work too. It's like, Mm -hmm. you're, you wake up in the morning dreading going into your office or whatever you're doing, like, that is a huge red flag. Like mm-hmm. change your shit up, you know, mm-hmm. like go find something that makes you happy. And, you know, I feel like sometimes people might roll their eyes at that and be like, well, I can't, I need to make money and I have children. I have this. I'm like, I get it, but you can, you know, there are ways that you can adjust your life to get to that point. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it sometimes takes preparation, but you can do it, you know? Yeah. And, and that's like, I think that's a big message of my book. You know, it's like, you know, there's no one right way or wrong way to do things. There's no pedigree you need. There's no amount of money you need to do any of that stuff. You just Especially have, now. Yeah. It's, there's so much access. Yeah. yeah. Did you grieve the sale of Drybar at all? Like, was that, did you feel a loss of that? Yes, but I think the loss came 
gradually, not all at mm. once. You know, if, I think it was because at the time I was going through my divorce and my son was was going into rehab and my role at Dry Bar had changed. All three of those things happened in like one fell swoop. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, don't they say things come in threes? Yes, that's <laughs> true. I don't think I ever thought about it like that. Yeah. But yeah, that's exactly, yes, that happened. And uh, so I was, I was gradually, you know, kind of disassociating from the business on some level. And then, which I, which is all in the book too, like that whole process of how that happened, which was mm-hmm. kind of funky. And I think that I felt on some level, like I was ready to like, cause, cause I was so intertwined with my ex and the business and the office that we used to share, I stopped going to, cause it's just, I couldn't, mm. as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And so everything changed and we were starting to talk about selling the business but I think that I had, I think I felt because we spent so many years, you know, building and growing and scaling and bringing in amazing people to help run the business. You know, there was a piece of me that was like, you know, they've got it. You know, I mean, I loved the business, but it was like a little, it came, became a little bit like rinse and repeat, you know, mm. as if we were opening stores, we were building product. And, you know, I was the face of the company and I was doing all the press and I was still developing product and whatever, but it did get so big and overwhelming for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, I used to be able to affect change very quickly when we had a handful of stores. Once we had, you know, I don't know, 20, 30, 40, 50 stores like that, I could not do that anymore. And I think that that started to not be what I loved about the business. You know, I loved the nimbleness of it that Mm. wasn't really there anymore. It's like hard to be nimble when you have 150 stores and over 5,000 employees, like you need systems in place. And that, that really was what the team that we brought in did. And I'm so grateful for that. And and I think I just started to feel like I was ready to to go and do something else. And and so, yes, it was like it, somebody once asked me, like, are you okay having sold the business spiritually? And I was like, oh, <laughs> shit, I don't know, you know, and, and, it, it, and it haunted me in that. And then yeah. I thought about it for so long. And yeah, I mean, there's a piece of me that's like misses it. And there's mm-hmm. a piece of me that's sad when I hear it's changed so mm-hmm. much. But it's also kind of the price of doing business. You know, mm-hmm. it's like I built this really amazing brand and I sold it and mm-hmm. I'm not involved anymore. And mm-hmm. it was a time in my life and it's now it's a new time in my life. And, mm-hmm. and I'm and I'm okay with it. You know, yeah. I really am for the most part. Mm-hmm. And now you have other businesses. Yeah. So and other you, projects and yeah. yeah. What is your new baby or is it all of them? <laughs> it's kind of all of them. You know, I mean, I think it's like I am in a bit of a, like I kind of feel like I felt in my 20s where I'm like, what am I doing now? Mm. You know, I mean, but in a really blessed place mm-hmm. that I have space and yeah. time to kind of figure it out. And, you know, I don't have to work like I had to work in my twenties, yeah. you know, but I think squeeze, you know, this massage concept that we've built, which we brought in our old head of marketing, Brittany Driscoll to run it. And she's the CEO and our co-founder and my brother and I, you know, are investors and basically got it off, helped her get it off the ground and mm-hmm. we're on the board and we advise her, but she has run with it. And, you know, there's, We've sold over 80 franchises across wow. the country. So that business is, is about to really take off in a meaningful way. And that's been really fun to watch, but really fun to watch over there. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm not involved in the day-to-day and I, I don't think I'll ever be involved at that level again in my life. And I, I'm really grateful for that, you know? Mm-hmm. And then there's our um, Bright Side, which is our infrared yoga studio and OK Humans. And I have a jewelry company with a girlfriend of mine. And it's like, I'm, I have my hands in a lot of buckets that, but I'm, I'm not doing, you know, people look at me like, oh my God, you must be so crazy and busy. I'm I'm not. Mm. I'm just, you know, I mean, 
I'm, 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 this season of launching this book has been really crazy. But mm-hmm. after that, you know, and that's why I decided to do this mastermind program because I, I really feel a need to give back and to pour into other entrepreneurs. And so that's probably more of like my new baby than anything. And, you know, and then there's a couple of projects in the works around the book. And I, I really love the diversity of my life. Like mm-hmm. every day is different. You know, I have so many cool opportunities that come in. And so I'm kind of enjoying just the kind of living day by day and like seeing what's next. Mm-hmm. You know? It sounds very stimulating because it's not just like yeah, the same thing every day and you're doing fun things like the singing. It's yeah. I feel like it's so important to do those yeah. things that are kind of like play. Yeah. Like we don't have that as exactly. adults, you yeah. know, and like so many of us lose our hobbies and yeah. everything. And well, we just like kind of, yeah, to your earlier question, like I started like painting with watercolors, mm, like talk about fun. like fun and play. It's like, yeah. you know, it, it's like, feeding that creative outlet like you're right as we mm-hmm. did as kids if you look at kids they're so carefree and yes. happy yeah and like that should be part of the goal you know yeah. it's like to not lose sight of those things that you're right that yeah. make us like happy and like for me like I really love listening to music too I mean mm-hmm. music is and that was the other thing my that therapist said to me is like you feel through music because mm-hmm. I've always been drawn to very melancholy music mm-hmm. and I used to feel kind of judged by people for that. Like, oh, like you in the sad music. But he's like, it it actually makes you happy. I was like, I knew it. You know, (laughs) like I knew that there was something to this Uh because like, and he's like, because you feel through music, which is such a fucking trip, you know, but I'm like, you know, for like certain things that have happened in my past and like the way I was raised in my childhood and, you know, which I won't go into, but I've learned a lot more about. And I'm like, oh, music is my outlet in so many ways. And Mm -hmm. one of them is like the way I feel through music. And so like when when I get in my car after this, I'll put on music. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I listen to, I listen to a lot of books too, but I, you know, music feels really soothing to me. Yeah. You know? I'm the same way. Like since I was younger, like a teenager, yeah. I would just drive around for hours. It's just such, it's music. such a nice, love it's, putting on a crying playlist. Yes. <laughs> I, my, I just started a playlist called yearning. Oh my God. <laughs> Do you want me to send it to you? Yes. <laughs> yes. I think I need that in my life right now. <laughs> well, and for me, it, it skews a little country because mm-hmm. I love country music. Love it. Yeah. Okay. That's an untapped genre for me. So maybe oh, I'll yeah. find Well, the thing new. about it is it's just, it is yearning mm. and these like heartfelt stories and I can relate to so I much of that. it yeah. that I, I just really love it. Amazing. Yeah. Well, what is the main takeaway that you would say from your book? Like after writing it, I'm sure that was a very cathartic process. And I feel like sometimes you think things are one way in your head and then you get to get them down on paper and you're like, whoa, you see them so differently. So was there anything that surprised you? And and how do you, what do you feel the message is now that it's done? Well, I like that question because I I don't think anyone said that to me. And I, I do think I'm surprised how much shit I know. Mm. I mean, honestly, like this book is like me trying to recount so many lessons from Dry Bar and, and the process, to your point of it being like cathartic. And I feel like this book is kind of like a business book meets a memoir and like had a baby. Mm-hmm. And that's the book, you know, because it is like on the, on the surface level, well, surface is not the right word, but like professionally, it's, you know, my journey of growing, scaling, building and selling dry bar. Mm-hmm. That's like the main kind of focus. But then there's all this like underbelly and undercurrent of like what was happening personally for me in my life, which I think historically, there's a lot of a really amazing business books out there and you're getting some great lessons and you're reading it because you are trying to start a business and you're, you want all these lessons. And mm-hmm. it, it is, you will get that from this book. But then there's like the underside of it, which, you know, when you're reading a book from an author who's done this 
you know, built a, a big business and sold it and whatever, you're, you know that you're getting that. Chances are you're not getting what hap- what was happening in their lives, which I think there's like a, a natural curiosity to that because it, it, it humanizes them. Yes. And, it, and, and, and when you read this book, you will feel like you know me quite well, mm. you know, because I poured my heart and soul into this book. And I, back to your question, what surprised me was like how many, how many lessons there are. And it, and it surprises me now too, as I mentor other entrepreneurs and they'll, you know, tell me some situation or problem in their life or their business, not necessarily their life, more their business. And for me, I'm like, oh, well, it's this, this, da, da, da. it's so simple to me because mm. I probably dealt with that problem. Mm-hmm. You know, having, having built Drybar over the last 10 years, like I, I learned quite a few lessons. And so putting them down on paper was like, wow, like they're, they're all stored back there mm-hmm. and now they're on the page, you know? And, and so I think, you know, that is probably one of the things I'm most proud of about the book. And after each chapter, there's like a prompt, a question that is supposed to be a pretty like, oof, I don't like this question, mm-hmm. but like prompts you to write about it because you've just finished this chapter and now you're able to put your thoughts down. Like to your point, you don't know, you know, writing is really powerful. Like mm-hmm. you don't know what's going to come out until it comes out, which is such yes. a trip, you know? <laughs> And so I think that happened to me in this journey of writing this book. And it's what I hope readers will take away too. And it'll like give them pause to like, let me think about this. Like, what am I not? I think one of the questions in the book in the, in one of the prompts is like, what am I, what am I afraid to talk about? Or what am I afraid to admit to Mm -hmm. myself? You're like, shit, I don't want to tell you that. Everyone, I'm sure everyone listening right now heard that question and we're like, ooh. They're like, okay, I'm going to turn this podcast (laughs) off. Yeah. (laughs) But we all have those things. Yeah, we do. We do. And it's just like, when, when are you going to face it? Yeah. It's coming for you. Yeah. It's coming. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Sorry (laughs) to be the bearer of bad news, but like the good, the good news is on the other side, we were so much better for it. You know, when we, you know that better than anybody. It's Mm -hmm. like, once you deal with your shit, you're much better. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing in business. Mm-hmm. You know, and I learned this the hard way and it's definitely something that's in the book. Like I avoided a lot of really uncomfortable conversations with like the, you know, executive team in our as we were building because I was like I didn't I didn't want to have those conversations. I was mm-hmm. such an avoider, <laughs> you know, and now I'm like, man, and I still would like to avoid at all costs like yeah. the the tough conversations, but I know if I don't and if I can be okay being uncomfortable, it, it will be better, you know, mm-hmm. versus like being, you know, passive aggressive or just, or just, you know, passive. And, mm-hmm. you know, so a lot of those life, life lessons, mm-hmm. life work lessons mm-hmm. are in there. So the book is out now. Everybody yes. Go yes. get it and tell everybody where they can find you. They can, the best place is probably uh, my Instagram, which is just Allie Webb. And that's Allie, A-L-L-I-W-E-B-B. And my website too has all the stuff. So yeah. The blueprint, if you're an entrepreneur looking to kind of level up, all our businesses are on there and all my projects and all the things. Amazing. Thank you so much. I love talking to you. Yeah, it was great. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you liked it, and if you like the show in general, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It goes a long way. And it's actually the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more about each episode, you can head over to the Blonde Files podcast on Instagram. You can go to ariellaurie.com. And I'm always posting about each episode over on my personal page at Ariel Laurie.
Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.